Oh, or do you want to thanks. Lola? Okay. Hey, this is Joni Sarita, everybody. I'm glad you're here. And we're with uh, Colleen Quinn, who is going to talk to you this hour and answer some questions at the end about her amazing cannabis um, uh, school that she has and um, her lab aroma, which um, for all you students who, who are with Northwest School of Animal Massage and people out there that are, that are just coming in to figure maybe what this might be about. Um, uh, she's got some, some great uh, applications that she's formulated uh, and you can use it as a student through Northwest School of Animal Massage as well. And we can give you the links. I use it for my formulations and keeping it there. And I won't go in depth because Colleen will, but, and then of course, Lola Michelin, who is um, the owner of Northwest uh, School of Animal Massage. And um, I'm just so glad that I'm able to be with you lovely ladies today. And That's lovely. <laughs> and gentlemen, have we got gentlemen? And gentlemen. Have. Yes. <laughs> very good. Yes, I um just very excited to to be part of this as well today. Great. Well, let's jump straight in. Um, we are going to talk about cannabis. So let's discuss what we're going to talk about and why I'm the one taking you through this. So before we just jump in, just an FYI to let you guys know, um, the webinars are super informal. So if you've got any questions along the way, just put it into the chat. Um, and you will tackle them or hold them for me. And then when I get to the end, I'll do q and I'm very bold, but I keep the chat open. So if I see something that's particularly interesting, I'll jump on it halfway through. Um, and if you're um, one of the guests, welcome. And if you see on the chat box where you would type a message, just make sure the little blue box says panelists and attendees. That way everyone can see your question. Okay, so what are we going to cover in this webinar? So in this webinar, I'm going to show you an insight into the world of cannabis. And by the end of our time together, you're going to have an understanding of the botany of cannabis, the basic botany of cannabis, and why terpenes are so important with, when formulating with cannabis. And that's the whole secret. As aromatherapists, the people that work with plants, we have this huge added advantage where some of the most complicated chemistry within cannabis is the terpenes, and we know it. Even if we don't know it inside out, we're certainly very comfortable and familiar with it, which is genuinely one of the biggest hurdles when you work in the cannabis industry and we have that bit down so we're we're just a step ahead of the rest we just need to know the cannabis bit so and joan done a great job of introducing me she's very kind so firstly i want to thank you for your time this afternoon especially on a monday and um, my name is colin quinn and as joan said i'm the founder of Labaroma, which is a plant-based formulation tool and um, it was originally designed as an aromatherapy tool to make me quicker, more accurate and more efficient as a, an aromatherapist. And it kind of evolved and now it's more of a plant science tool because we use, we've hydrosols in there and bases and cosmetics and lots and lots and lots of other ingredients, not just essential oils. And we have lots of extracts in there now because of our cannabis work, because we've loads of cannabis strains in there and also CO2 extracted plant materials. So it's a lot more than just essential oils now, but that is that's where we started and it's where I started. So I'm a clinical aromatherapist and that's where my heart lies. I've, the plants are my babies. So I have evolved over the last few decades and I'm also a cosmetic formulator, a cannabis researcher, and I speak internationally, although all from my um, nice little view here in Ireland these days, thanks to COVID, <laughs> like the rest of us, home grounded. So the webinar, 
So in this webinar, we're going to cover a couple of things. We're going to cover the fascinating botany of cannabis and hemp, and I'm going to take you, I'm going to touch on it. It's a, it's a hugely in-depth topic, like the botany of any plant is, but cannabis is, is particularly interesting, and the legal implica implications of working with it make the botany very um, different from any other plant. We look at the cannabis chemovar classification system, which is going to just blow your mind and make life easier. That's the first thing it's going to do. And then I'm going to introduce you to the endocannabinoid system because the cannabis and hemp plant is fascinating, but what makes it so effective is the endocannabinoid system. It would just be another beautiful plant if we didn't have an endocannabinoid system, but because of that system in our body, it's a lot more than just a plant. We also then look at the cannabinoids and I'm, I'm not going to turn these into phytopharmacologists overnight, but I am going to walk you through some of the main cannabinoids and the terpenes that we know of the work in the cannabis plant. So I also have a PDF for you guys. I don't know if you ladies knew this. The entourage effect is something we're going to touch on within the presentation, but it's a lot more detailed than what I will go into. And it's one of those kind of theories that needs a visual explanation. So I've created a visual downloadable PDF that I'll give you guys a link to at the end. And um, Joan and Lola, you can share that to your community as well. That's your link. So um, the entourage effect definitely, even if you're not particularly a visual learner, it, it does need visually explained because it's it's um, it's a theory of merging compounds and that is better explained in, in color, I think. So that's there for you guys as well. So let's jump into the botany of cannabis. So Let's deal with the elephant in the room first. Hemp and marijuana are both cannabis. Okay, that is the first thing we need to remember. So I know we're not used to this and we, you're never going to hear me say anything like basil and eucalyptus are both basils. That's it's just not a thing. Hemp and cannabis, hemp and marijuana are both cannabis. So let me extend, explain the difference. The main difference is the THC level and we'll come on to what THC is in a minute, but the THC level in the plant is the defining decision of whether that plant is hemp or cannabis, okay? Or hemp or marijuana, if you want. And that line is 0.3%. If your cannabis material has 0.3% or more, THC, it becomes marijuana or what we call cannabis. If it has less, it's hemp. Never before has a plant's definition been decided by the law. And it, in cannabis, this is exactly what's happened. The law has defined hemp. Okay, and that's because of loads of other um, historical facts that we won't jump into too much. But to know that marijuana is also quite a derogatory term for the plant. It's a very old school term. It's quite slang and we don't really use it a lot. So we talk about cannabis and hemp. Okay, now they're very different and they're used in different ways. So cannabis or what was traditionally called um, marijuana is what is used for recreational and medicinal purposes. So that's what that plant is used for. Hemp, on the other hand, is used for things like hemp seed oil. It's used for beauty products. It's also used for its fibrous strength. So it's used to make plastic, clothing, fibers, those kind of things. I have Tom Henry, Tom Henry, Tom Ford, years and years, millions of years ago, built a car body out of hemp fiber just to prove that he could and to prove that hemp fiber was the strongest steel. It was an experimental car, but he built it and it worked. And it's, he was just trying to prove a point. It was after hemp became taxable in the States and slowly went from being the most domesticated crop to the least domesticated crop. And he wanted to prove a point that this was a bad decision. So he built this car body, which was just quite an interesting fact. 
So let's look at the actual body or the botany of this, um, the plant and how it's classified. So there's three main classifications within the, the family, the botanical family. One is cannabis, okay, which is the most common one, the one we know of most. Then there's celtus. Now the cottonwood tree belongs to that family. And then we've all heard of hops, which has become quite cool because of craft beer, uh, craft brewing. So hops, which is also now used quite often as an essential oil or distilled as an essential oil, is part of the humulus part of this family. So there's three classifications to the family, but cannabis is the one we are going to look at. So cannabis is three main strains, and it's probably inaccurate to call them strains. They're more like chemovars, if you want to call them that, but we'll not overcomplicate it and we'll call them strains. So we've cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, and cannabis ruderalis, okay? Now sativa and indica, you're probably thinking, okay, yeah, familiar enough, at least recognize that language, that's great. What is ruderalis, okay? And I only brought ruderalis into the conversation this year. I've been talking about cannabis for five years and I've never really talked about it. And normally I, I add new concepts and new content in when people ask. No one's asked me about ruderalis, which is why I felt it needed a stage. So it's in there now, right? There's three main chemovars. So let's look at how they differ, okay? And they're quite different. Cannabis sativa tends to have low levels of THC. So THC is the compound that gets us high. It's the one that's psychoactive. It is what gives us the impaired impact, okay? Sativa is low in it and tends to be quite high in THC. It's the, the strain or the chemovar, if you want, that's used most for fibers in the beauty industry, in cosmetics. It's used more in the, the more gentle end of the cannabis spectrum. From a botanical point of view, the buds are quite thin and the leaves are quite narrow. Indica is the complete opposite. The leaves are quite short and stumpy and the buds are quite firm and they're quite like compacted if you want. And that particular strain tends to have high levels of THC and that is what's used for medicinal and recreational purposes. So if you were, let's say you're a medical card and you lived in Denver for argument's sake and you went to a dispensary to get cannabis medicine, it's indica that you're gonna be receiving not sativa, unless you say you don't want THC in your cannabis, okay? So that is the big distinction. Now, Ruderalis, the unspoken hero, is very interesting and wasn't used a lot until about the last decade, and now it's been used a lot more, but it's been used to create a hybrid between the two. So you can use Ruderalis to make a nice, a nice, you know, balanced hybrid between cannabis sativa and cannabis indica. Now, from a botanical point of view, because it's unmanageable and it's it's not clearly defined. You can get a ruderalis that has long, thin, you know, wavy leaves, and you can get a ruderalis that has short, stumpy leaves. So there's no botanical, it doesn't visually help you a ruderalis, but there is one thing it does that no other cannabis plant will do. It auto flowers. And for that reason, we call it a subspecies, which is probably why it's not worked with a lot because it's unpredictable. And nobody really likes working with plants that are that unpredictable. And ruderalis is a very unpredictable strain. But when growers make it their mission to understand this part of the plant, it's hugely beneficial to their growing and their breeding. So I would imagine we're going to start hearing a lot more about it. It's fascinating, but it is definitely difficult to work with. It's a bit like, if you think of the aromatherapy world, it's a wee bit like um, lavender. Whereas lavender, we know what it does. The lavender chemistry is pretty, pretty standard. Spike lavender is the same. Lavendin, the chemistry of lavendin can vary quite a lot because it's a hybrid. So hybrids are always that wee bit, just a wee bit less predictable. It's not a bad thing. It's just, we have to be aware of that. So 
this is going to be the best thing you've ever learned this week. <laughs> so the cannabis came of our classification system. It's something that sounds really complicated and it's not. So in the old days, it used to be that you would identify your cannabis medicine via whether it was an indica or sativa. Okay, was it going to get me high or was it not? That was kind of the definition. But because the industry has become so sophisticated and we now know what we want in our cannabis medicine, those two things are, are redundant. They're not, they're not very... Um, they're not very useful identification systems, okay? Because you can get an indica that has high levels of THC, whereas in the past it only had high levels, sorry, you can get an indica now that has high levels of CBD, whereas in the past it only had high levels of THC. So because of the growth in the industry and the creativity in the industry, that system doesn't work. So the cannabis chemovar classification system is so smart. So it breaks it down into three types, and this is just going to make life so much easier the next time you go to buy some cannabis or hemp. Your material will, will either be type one, which is THC predominant, which is the old school indica. Type two is a balance of THC and CBD. And that has become incredibly common, especially for people that don't have pathologies, that aren't trying to tackle symptoms, that are just using cannabis as a wellness or a preventative medicine. Then type two is perfect for them. Type three is CBD dominant. Now, type three, think of things like Charlotte's Web, where you consciously want material that is high in CBD which you're trying to deal with you know maybe you're trying to deal with the symptoms of chemotherapy treatment or epilepsy or neuroprotection or maybe you want to use the cannabis plant for wellness or preventative medicine and you just don't want to be high it's just it's not your thing you don't like being impaired maybe you'd historic bad experiences and you don't want to try it again no matter how sophisticated the market has got then type three is perfect for you so one is THC two is balanced three is CBD so much easier. It just and now I find when I go into dispensaries, especially on the West Coast, they, they declare which type it is. So the, the chemovar classification system has become commonplace, which is brilliant. So once you get your head around that, it makes shopping in dispensaries and shopping in retail stores so much easier. There's nothing worse than going in, looking around you and thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing and I've no idea what I'm buying and I need some kind of guide. This is the perfect guide. Perfect. So that's it. Have you ever heard of it? No, no, no. Yeah. Not referred type one, two, and three, but just, yeah. uh, you know, for the labeling and stuff, but it'll be nice yeah. to have that. It, now, I, I did, I did take the type one, which was the original Rick Simpson oil that was yes. given to me when I had leukemia. Yes. And I had to have major, they pulled out the big, big guns of the chemo because yeah. I had to kill everything in my body. Lola attested to that. And that Rick Simpson oil I snuck into the hospital oh, and yeah. took it every day to help manage my nausea. <laughs> but in that case, THC is what you need. And this is yeah. where cannabis has become very interesting where people will say, I definitely don't want THC because it's going to get me high. And I'm like, right. okay, but let's talk about the other things it does. And we'll come on to this. But whenever I sit there and explain to people what else it does, you have to weigh up whether it's worth it. You know, it's being impaired. Right even though it's the last thing you want, is it actually worth it considering, you know, maybe you can get over that one side effect considering all of the other benefits it has. And, and it becomes right. a very different conversation when people understand that it doesn't just get you high, it's highly right. therapeutic. So yes. that was a very interesting conversation. I think people would be very surprised as well when I sit down and talk them into it. <laughs> like, yeah. You're trying to get me high and I'm like, no, I'm trying to get you better. <laughs> yeah. The high is just a side effect, whether you want it or not, that's, right. that's a whole other conversation. So 
let's just look at the difference between those two. So as I said, the most common way we traditionally distinguish between the cannabis chemovars was CBD or THC dominant. That's kind of redundant now, which is fine, but it's different. Now, the other great way to distinguish between the different materials is the terpene composition. So as we know as aromatherapists, terpenes are those compounds that highly contribute to the flavor, aroma, and taste of any plant, but especially cannabis. So again, we have this added advantage where when we lift a cannabis flower and we smell like orange or grapefruit off it, we know it's packed with limonene. Or if it smells like pine essential oil, or um, we know it's packed with A pinene or beta pinene, or it could have that, you know, that beta carfilene mycene, nearly balsam copia aroma, and we know that it's it's rooted, but it's not like a forest floor, then we know it's packed with um, carfilene or humulene. So the fact that we know by smelling the oils what kind of terpenes are making up that composition just sets us so far ahead from everyone else, which is great. We also have the language where we're able to discuss that and like know what that smell is, which other people will smell it and say, it smells like oranges, I'd rather have something different, but I, I can't define what that different is. We can define it because we work with these essential oils. So two wee side notes that I just want to point out, um, and you may already know this, so forgive me if you do. Um, hemp and cannabis essential oil has become a thing. So it's only become a thing in the last sort of five years. But hemp and cannabis essential oil, like any essential oil, is the distillation process of plant material via water. So we distill the hemp or cannabis, whichever we're working with, to get all of the nice, beautiful phytochemicals um, out of it. But cannabinoids are not water loving, they are fat soluble. So therefore extracting them via the process of distillation is not effective. So you get all those beautiful terpenes and gorgeous volatile compounds into your hemp or cannabis essential oil, but you do not get any cannabinoids. Now that's fine. If you just want the terpenes, that's great, but don't be misled to buy hemp and cannabis essential oil, which is a lot more affordable than cannabis oil. Um, thinking you're going to get your cannabinoids, your CBD or your THC. You're not. You're going to get all of the beautiful terpenes, but you're not going to get cannabinoids. Okay. Same with hemp seed oil. So hemp seed oil, and it's definitely less of a problem over on your side of the world, ladies. It's a far bigger problem here where hemp seed oil is being sold as hemp oil or hemp CBD oil. Now, hemp seed oil is through the process of cold pressing seeds. There's no cannabinoids there. We can't get cannabinoids through the process of cold pressing. So just like the essential oil, a beautiful material has wonderful properties within cooking and beauty products and skincare, but does not contain cannabinoids. It's great if you want all those omegas and all of those beautiful amino acids and you know fatty acids, but you're not going to get any cannabinoids out of that material. So just be aware of those two things when you're starting to buy cannabis and hemp materials. Now, when I formulate, I use both of those in different scenarios, but not for their cannabinoid content, for their other therapeutic content. Okay. So... Let's look at why it all matters. And that is the endocannabinoid system. So before we jump into the chemistry of the cannabinoids, I wanna just walk you through the endocannabinoid system. And I'd love to ask um, our attendees, give me a high five guys, if you know what the end, if you've ever heard of even the endocannabinoid system, give me a high five if you know the, heard of it. Okay, good, so Amanda's heard of it, that's good. That's great. Most people I speak to don't have their hands. Okay, great. Okay, brilliant ladies. David, okay, we have some people, that's great. Okay, so. I'm gonna let you know what the endocannabinoid system is and sort of slowly introduce you to it. The first thing to remember about the endocannabinoid system is that the science of it is only 40 years old, okay? It was only discovered in 1990, it was only defined, I should say, in 1992. There was a lot of whispers and kind of explorations before that, but it was officially defined in 1992. That's not that long ago. 
you know, I'm 38 nearly, and I was only born in 83. It wasn't that long ago. Like, that's a bit crazy. They didn't know about it when I was born? Mad. So that's how I always think it's so new because it didn't exist when I was a baby. So what does it do? I know nice. What does it do? <laughs> the main function of the endocannabinoid system is to maintain bodily homeostasis. And when I say homeostasis, I mean the ability to create balance and maintain balance in our body, which is some, it is such a small thing, but it is such an important thing, okay? Homeostasis and the endocannabinoid system go hand in hand. And when I say balance, I mean the ability to maintain biological stability and harmony despite the outside world. And that is the one thing I can contest to with the endocannabinoid system. When it's properly fed and functioned and cared for, it creates this sense of um, anchoring in our, in, in our core where we have this, it doesn't matter what happens around us. It doesn't matter what curveballs are thrown at us. We have this ability to just be, to be stable and to be steadfast. How nice is that? Like nothing else will ever go wrong if we can hold, hold center. And the endocannabinoid system when looked after does that. So from a biological um, perspective, what is it? So cannabinoids, which is the plant cannabinoids we talk about, CBD, THC, all of those, they primarily interact with our endocannabinoid system. They will do other things in the body, but they primarily are driven towards the endocannabinoid system. And that system is made up of two receptors, CB1 and CB2. So what happens whenever we consume the cannabinoids is that they interact with CB1 and CB2, and those receptors are located all throughout our body. So if you think of THC and CBD getting into the body, whether that's through the blood-brain barrier, whether that's you know through the skin, however we decide to take it, it reaches the endocannabinoid system and works by hitting the CB1 and CB2 receptors and stimulating our body. Now, they're quite promiscuous, our cannabinoids. They, um, they like to flirt with other parts of the body. So yes, they'll go to the endocannabinoid system, but they are very attracted to other parts of the body, especially things like the immune system and the digestive tract. They will go there and they will do their work, but majority of them go towards the endocannabinoid system. But all kind of phytochemicals will do that. They'll sort of go in the body where they're needed you know, to, to serve. So CB1 receptors, they're primarily located throughout the nerves and the brain and the spinal cord. They, can, they have been found in the white blood cells through the intestinal system, the urinary system, as well as the reproductive system, but they're primarily located in the brain and spinal cord. CB2s are quite different. I think of them as my immune receptors and that they very much focus on things like the, the spleen, the tonsils, the thalamus, kind of your immune tissue, if you like. Now, they are located throughout the body at different locations, but they're kind of grouped off into those two categories. So you get a replay, so don't worry, these slides are here. This is the endocannabinoid system, and I, I'm not going to go through this one by one, don't worry. But I wanted to put this um, in here to give you an idea of how the cannabinoids will increase effects within the body and decrease effects within the body. So for example, within the pancreas, they will increase insulin secretion, okay, which is brilliant. But within the liver, they will decrease insulin clearance. So they work throughout lots of different parts of the body, having a positive and negative impact, which is beneficial to the body, okay? So the fact that, again, the science is so new and it's so vast, I kind of feel like we're only touching on the surface of what we know about the endocannabinoid system. And I expect that this will expand and expand and expand. It's the one part of Lab Cannabis course, it and regulations, that I spend a lot of time enhancing every year because it evolved that science evolves so much every year yes our cannabinoid knowledge evolves but not to the extent that the endocannabinoid knowledge does and then regulations change 
all the time just for fun. So that always needs updated. So that was just a teaser on the endocannabinoid system. I could do an entire class on it. It's fascinating. But I want to take you to the cannabinoids and walk you through some of them. So let's look at what they are. So firstly, cannabinoids are dynamic, medicinally beneficial compounds. So if we look at them from a broad point of view, they help our body maintain homeostasis. Okay, back to the sense of balance. Now, they're also very similar to what we call endogenous cannabinoids or endocannabinoids. So if you've ever heard of cannabinoids and you're wondering, well, what are cannabinoids and phytocannabinoids and endogenous cannabinoids? And there's lots of different names for them. Cannabinoids, there's two types, okay? There's plant cannabinoids, which we get from the cannabis and hemp plant called phytocannabinoids. But our body also makes at least two natural cannabinoids that are called endocannabinoids or they're endogenous cannabinoids, meaning we make them ourselves internally. Now, those endogenous cannabinoids are fascinating. From a molecular point of view, they are pretty much the same. If you see them, they're slightly more complicated from a structural point of view, but they are the same as phytocannabinoids. They will do the exact same thing within our body. The only difference is the endocannabinoids will tick our endocannabinoid system along, but we need to feed it with extra cannabinoids. It's a wee bit like our immune system will survive, but if we feed it with green vegetables and healthy food and vitamins and supplements and all of those things, it's better maintained and therefore it has better ability to look after us. It's the same thing with the endocannabinoid system. It is cared for by endogenous cannabinoids, but it needs more than just them, okay? Which is why we have our phytocannabinoids. So let's look at these little babies. The most well-known cannabinoids are THC and CBD. And both have you know, gained lots of interest. THC for a long time was, um, how do I explain this? THC for a long time was seen as the devil in the plant world because it caused all this legal prohibition and it you know, got people high and was all this um, talk about how it was the gateway drug and all these kind of things. And then CBD started getting all this public academic and scientific attention because of epilepsy but also with pain relieving abilities and its anti-inflammatory abilities. So the, the conversation turned whenever CBD became popular, but that's whenever the conversation around THC turned as well, because we started to realize that we need to stop talking about the one thing that THC does, which is, you know, be psychoactive. There's so many other things it does. So we're gonna look at what they do and the difference between them now. So let's look at some of them. We'll start with the first, THC. So this is interesting. It's psychoactive as we know. It reduces stress and depression, and they go hand in hand in this case, not always, but with THC, they certainly go hand in hand. What we're finding is that if your depression is a, a symptom of stress, if you have burnout, chronic stress, like long-term stress and exhaustion, the, the depression that comes as a, a symptom of that, THC is brilliant at tackling that particular depression, okay? It's also an immune stimulant, which is a positive thing. If you're in, um, in therapy or you're dealing with a condition or chemotherapy that makes your appetite vanish, but you need to eat, then THC is immensely beneficial. And um, that's when we talk about getting the munchies. And again, people think that's a terrible thing, but for some people, they need, they need to have the desire to eat and they don't have that chemical desire in their brain. So it also dulls pain. It's a brilliant pain reliever. Also a fantastic anti-inflammatory and it's a neuroprotectant. Now, an awful amount of the cannabinoids are neuroprotectant. Most of them are neuroprotectant and very powerful neuroprotectants. 
So CBD is, we always, people will say that CBD and THC are the main cannabinoids and the rest are minors. And I always disagree with that because there's some of these other cannabinoids, the big ones, like CBD wouldn't exist without CBG. So they're not minor. If anything, CBG is probably the most important cannabinoid out there. I call it the mother cannabinoids because CBG will create and evolve lots of other cannabinoids. So CBG will have started as C CBD will have started as CBG and it will grow into CBD and then it'll just keep going or it'll turn into acidic form depending if it oxidizes or whatever, however it's treated. But CBG is the mother, it is the first cannabinoid. So it's immensely important for that reason. But then it's also very therapeutic. It's anti-inflammatory, it's a neuroprotectant, it's an antidepressant, it inhibits tumor, tumor growth as well um, and been used a lot in cancer care for that reason. And it's also wonderful with ocular pressure. There's a couple of the cannabinoids are particularly good for eye care, which is very interesting. Joan, just thinking of you. Um, if I'm dealing with someone that's having eye issues, I'll always want to make sure that there's CBG and CBC in their cannabis medicine because those two cannabinoids in particular are very helpful for eye conditions and eye um, pathologies. So CBC, um, cannabichromine, is a beautiful cannabinoid. The reason I like it so much is because CBC will help all the other cannabinoids work better together. So it synergistically supports them all and helps them work better together. So if you imagine you've THC and CBD in a blend and they're doing their thing and they're working and that's great, but they're you know going parallel and doing their own thing. CBC has this ability to bind all of these cannabinoids and help them work better together. A bit like the entourage effect actually where you know, one cannabinoid on its own is great, but them collectively working as a, a unit is so much more effective. So CBC has the ability to join them all together, which is great. It's also, also, also anti-inflammatory, a pain reliever, supports and stimulates bone growth and is antifungal. So CBN, CBN is very interesting because CBN came out the door as the big sleep cannabinoid. And then we really quickly realized that the study that healed it has a sleep cannabinoid also had THC in the study. So then we didn't know whether it was the THC or the CVN that helped us sleep. But either way, it is a relaxant and it will help us sleep. It's probably not the huge sleep um, cannabinoid everyone thought it was, but it's definitely a sleep aid. It's also a pain reliever. It's an appetite stimulant, just like THC. Again, relieves um, ocular pressure and promotes bone growth. And then CBD. So CBD will do a couple of things very powerfully. It will deal with um, epilepsy and similar kind of conditions. It'll very much deal with those, especially the um, convulsions that come with those conditions. Works brilliantly on stress and pain and anti-inflammatory. But one of the most useful things CBD does from a medical point of view is that it lessens the powerful effects of THC. And I mean that in a positive way. So the short-term memory loss that THC causes and the psychoactive impact THC causes, CBD lessens that. It doesn't diminish the therapeutic effect of THC. It just counteracts, and I'm gonna explain why in a second. It counteracts the probably the one negative side effects THC has. If taken alongside CBD, it's easier to tolerate THC. So that's really important. Whereas if you're dealing with things like Rick, Rick Simpson oil, Joan, it's very high in THC and that's their priority. You know, whereas nowadays it's got a lot more sophisticated. And if you're dealing with high levels of THC and really good or decent levels of CBD, it's not the same experience. It's not as um, daunting an experience for some people. And it's double the benefit. So here's why. 
So CBD does not interact directly with the cannabinoid receptors. So I'll say that again. CBD does not indirect, interact directly with the cannabinoid receptors. It kind of makes its life a bit complicated. So when you take CBD, it binds to a separate receptor site on the side of a CB1 or a CB2. And when it binds to that receptor site, it changes the shape of it, which helps it get into the CB1 or the CB2 receptor. So we don't know why it do does it. It's just science, but it doesn't directly go inside it. It changes the shape by binding to an external receptor. Now, why that matters so much is that when CBD is consumed alongside THC, the psychoactive impact is reduced. And that is why it is so important if you do not want to be impaired, but you want the medical benefits of THC to take it with CBD. CBD makes it more tolerable, okay? But it also stimulates its ability to reduce pain and reduce inflammation, okay? And it's all about how it communicates with the brain. So a lovely quote for you guys. Research confirms that CBD suppresses the main contributors to inflammation, swelling, and soreness, potentially protecting muscle cells from growth. So you can imagine if you were sick and muscle cells were just deteriorating away, if you were taking that CBD, that will dramatically protect those cells from damage and help them grow again, which is huge. That rest restorative benefit is just phenomenal. So let's get back into aromatherapy where we're comfortable. Terpenes. So within the world of cannabis, terpenes are the natural phytochemicals that give cannabis and so many other plants and herbs their aroma, color, and flavor. So we know this. And we also know that the terpenes are what a lot of the time, it, it does lots of things. It's a lot of the strains you see on the market now are named after their terpenes because it's very hard to name something that smells of lemon, something other than lemon haze. You know, so a lot of the time their names are directed by their terpenes, but their terpenes are what contributes to the color, the taste, and the flavor the color, the taste, and the smell. So we know of over 100 terpenes that have been identified within the cannabis plant. I think there's an awful lot more, but for now we know of 100. And every strain has a very unique type and composition. And they all largely impact on the therapeutic effect of that strain, okay? Now we know this because as aromatherapists, we've been using these plants for millions and millions of years for their therapeutic benefits. It's just now they've got this new, um, new fame because of cannabis. So the entourage effect, and I am literally going to touch on this because it is easier explained visually, which we will um, provide that link for you guys shortly. So the idea behind the entourage effect is that the phytochemicals in the cannabis plants, so the cannabinoids and the terpenes, they work better together than a single identities. Okay, so they have this synergistic relationship, which help each other to be more powerful. They boost a more therapeutic effect when they, than when they're on their own. So if you took, for example, an isolated limonene terpene and used it for depression, it will help. If you take it with CBD and with THC and then maybe even a bit of mycine or a bit of carfilene, you're going to have a far more greater effect and a far more holistic effect as well. So for those reasons, the entourage effect has become a very powerful conversation and kind of undisputed these days, which is great. So the different terpenes that we create or that we add into a formulation will have a subtle but a very, very powerful impact on a formulation. And what's probably more relevant is that adding the additional therapeutic value of these terpenes not only helps to mediate the body's interaction with the cannabinoids, it helps to stimulate the cannabinoids to work more effectively. So the two together are better than terpenes on their own or cannabinoids on their own. Now, just to support that with a quote, Dr. Ethan Rousseau is one of the, the forefathers in this cannabis um, research space. 
And 10 years ago, and it's still true today, Dr. Ethan said that cannabinoid and terpenoids, so cannabinoids and terpenes, their interactions can produce synergy with respect to the treatment of pain, inflammation, depression, anxiety, addiction, epilepsy, cancer, fungal and bacterial infections. I don't know any other medicine that will cover that vast array of different conditions in the one plant. And um, I asked him recently, he does our masterclasses with lab cannabis, but Dr. Ethan does a, a, like an intimate one to, um, private Q&A masterclass with students um, every year, which is amazing. And I asked him two years ago when I started the course to give me an updated quote and he laughed. He says, no, that's still relevant. I'm not changing the quote. <laughs> Um, his argument was that if anything, he could expand the list of conditions now, but he said that quote is, um, it's true to this day, but he said when he first said it, and he published it, I think, in the British Pharmacology Journal, Pharmacology or Pharmacy Journal, um, he said it was laughed at, and people said it, no one plant can do that, um, they've stopped laughing. So I'm going to look at just four terpenes, and four you're going to know off. So limonene is one of them. So limonene is a pain reliever, it's anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety um, and it's euphoric. So when you think of limonene, think of things like lemon, ginger, or sorry, lemon, lime, orange, grapefruit essential oil, your sunshine essential oil, so your big citruses. And then apinine is a sleep aid, it's a pain reliever, it's an appetite stimulant and antibacterial. It's very different from limonene in that apinine, if limonene is sunshine and brightness, Apinine is grounding, it's rooting, it's walking through a forest floor. It will give you that anchor and that stability that you might be de desiring. Now it's in all your pines, obviously then. So think of your forest floor. So pines, cypress, black, um, black pine, juniper berry. So your, your, your trees, you know, um, your big, deep grounded ones. But it's also in things like Fergonia, frankincense and helichrysum. So apinine is one of those terpenes that you find in varying quantities um, among a lot of different essential oils. Now, another one that's quite small is humulene. Humulene is anti-inflammatory. It is found in coriander seed, clove, and basil. And humulene is very interesting in that it's not talked about a lot, but it's highly anti-inflammatory. So if you're dealing with an essential oil that has humulene in it, it is definitely what I want to use in things like muscle pain balms um, and anti-inflammatory rubs. Then the fourth and final one is carfilene. So carfilene, um, carfilene got, we've, as aromatherapists, we know it. It's in things like black pepper, balsam copaea. It's over 50% of the constitution of balsam copaea. And it's got this wide array of therapeutic properties, a wee bit like CBD, in that it's anti-anxiety, it's an immune stimulant, and it's a pain reliever as well as being anti-inflammatory and anti-spasmodic. And a couple of years ago, a lot of noise started that carfilene was a great substitute for CBD, and it's not. So carfilene will deal with the CB2 and the CB1 receptors, absolutely. But it's a terpene and CBD is a cannabinoid. They're completely different phytochemicals. Molecularly, they're, they're different. And the disadvantage to this um, noise that was created around carfilene being a, a substitute, a cheaper substitute for CBD, was that the price of balsam copaea went through the roof because people were buying balsam copaea because it was so high in beta carfilene and using it to try and to stimulate the endocannabinoid system, where... There is no scientific evidence that it'll happen. And if you apply common sense, it's not. They're two different, <laughs> they're two different things. Terpenes and cannabinoids are beautiful together, but terpenes were are not designed by nature to tackle the endocannabinoid system or support it. Um, they'll do lots of other things, but it is not a substitute for CBD. I use balsam copia to support cannabinoids a lot, but not as a substitute. 
So the price of false single pay still hasn't come down. I'm hoping that changes soon. So all to say that the secret to powerful effect of plant formulations is cannabis plus aromatherapy. When we marry those two together, we create phenomenal formulations. I always thought I was a you know, good aromatherapist and made effective blends. And then I found cannabis and now it's like, okay, so now this is a whole new game changer. And this is where I sit today, knowing that if I had to make an, and I do, but if I had to make an aromatherapy blend that, and I wasn't allowed to use even hemp or even CBD isolate, I would really struggle. I would make it, but I would know what could be better. And I don't know if I'll ever go back to just making just pure essential oils. We'll see. So you're, before we jump into Q&A, your entourage effect, and you'll pop a wee link into the um, chat now, and she'll give you that link and you can just download that um, downloadable. So let me tell you this with lab canvases, and then I see I have some questions, so I'll jump into those. Lola, that's a great question. I can't wait to tackle that one. Okay, so lab cannabis. I am gonna I'm gonna assume none of you guys have heard of it, so I'm just gonna give you a wee insight into what it is. So there's your link for your bonus. Thank you, Anya. So lab cannabis is a place where plant enthusiasts confidently learn to understand the science and therapeutics of cannabis. My entire aim when I wrote the course was to I originally was writing it as a book actually, and then realized that a book's great, but we read a book and we don't actually have the tools to implement a book in practical terms and the knowledge and the, the content that I was writing needed to be taught, I felt, and needed to be, um, you needed guided to use it. You know, reading the theory is amazing, but actually learning how to work with the plant and formulate the plant gives you a lifetime skill. And I'm a huge fan of that theory of teaching a man how to fish and not just giving a man a fish. So for me, the book was giving you a fish and the course is me teaching you how to fish. So you shouldn't need me after eight weeks, you know how to do it. So our promise to you in the course is that you go from feeling confused with cannabis and feeling overwhelmed to feeling powerful with knowledge and experience confidence in your ability to use can cannabis within your aromatherapy formulations and to give you a greater opportunity within your business. Now in saying that, so many lab cannabisters now have no intention of ever using it in the business. It's for their own personal health. They wanted to understand how to use the plant and even to make their own medicine somewhat because of financial reasons. Like cannabis medicine is expensive if you're buying it all the time. Whereas if you know how to make your own, it's so much more affordable, but it's also so much more joyous to make your own medicine is just, we know this as aromatherapists. So what does the course contain? It's delivered over eight weeks, which starts on Monday, this day week on the 8th of March. So this is our last week. The course closes on Thursday and we only open it once a year. So there's eight modules. We do the history of cannabis, which is beautiful and a nice, um, a nice teaser just to break you into the world a bit. But I feel like it's important to know where the plant is, what the plant, plant has come through and where it's got to in order to understand the, the value of the fight it's had to get to us today as medicine. Then we look at cannabis botany in a lot more detail than today. And then I make you a phytopharmacologist. I walk you through the science of those terpenes and the science of those cannabinoids. A lot, a lot of the, we do nearly 13 of the cannabinoids and over 30 terpenes. We do a lot of them. And then the endocannabinoid system is an entire module, as you can expect. Um, it's a fascinating module. Now, those three modules all come with a research lesson. And what a research lesson is, everywhere where I've made a statement in, in the, those lessons, those modules where I say, you know, 
THC is anti-inflammatory or CBD will do A, B and C. We back it up with evidence because it's really, really important, especially in the cannabis world, that what you talk about and what you learn is backed up by science and backed up by evidence because it is one of the industries in the world where people will say, yeah, 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 it doesn't actually work and it's just a drug or, you know, it's just weed and it doesn't do anything. It's very easy then for you when you have the armor and the evidence to say, well, no, actually, this study was done in 2017 and this is what approved. So we give you that skill set, which is brilliant. Then module five is probably your most comfortable place. Um, it's definitely the most things get lighter after module four. <laughs> so module five, we walk through all of the essential oils that are in all of the recipes in the course. I walk you through all of those and I give you their chemical composition, just the terpene bit. So you start to understand why they're ultimately my cannabis aromatherapy kit. So if you like, you can blend any essential oil with cannabis, but there's certain essential oils will work better with it because of their terpene composition. And I walk you through those. Then we walk through the entourage effect and what it means to marry those all together and the whole biosynthesis of that um, merging. So that's all in module five. Module six is fascinating. It's called clinical applications. And module six is where we look at the main pathologies and the main symptoms that cannabis has been most effective for. So we break down different types of cancers and um, different types of epilepsy, different conditions where it's really, and eye care and loads of other things, where it's been effective and um, what we know about it historically and how it's helping. We also look at the cannabis medicines, so the actual FDA approved over-the-counter or prescription drugs that are on the market today. Um, although there's, and it's important to know those because sometimes they're the option for you as opposed to growing your own medicine. So I always like to give you the whole 360 on it. And then seven is where um, I really get really happy because we start to get dirty with the plant. So I teach you in plant preparations how to actually take the flower from the plant or the, the bud and how to extract the cannabinoids out of it. Also how to calculate can, um, cannabinoid concentration. Sometimes you go to buy it and it'll say 10% CBD, and that means nothing to you. You've no idea what that means, and you know that you want to take maybe 40 megs of CBD a day, but how do you equate that from what's sitting in front of you on a retail shelf? So I teach you all of that. And then there's 20 recipes in Module 7 as well, so 20 recipes that we never put anywhere else are just for lab cannabis students. And then Module 8 is what we call the Pro Module, and it's if you want to make cannabis a business. I never, I always say you don't need it unless you want to turn it into a business. And it contains things like how to read certificates of analysis, how to make profit if you're making uh, formulations that you want to retail, how to stay legal, not just from a cannabis point of view, but from a cosmetic regulatory point of view. You know, if you sell products in the market, you've a sense of duty and responsibility. So we work you through all of that. And there's an additional 12 recipes in module eight. Now, Lab Cannabis has two courses as such. So you have Lab Cannabis, which is $1,200, and that's US dollars, or you can pay it over six months for $200, which just makes life easier in COVID times. And then Lab Cannabis Pro is that extra module with a couple of other bonuses, which I'll show you. And it's $1,800 or $300 over six months. Now, the bonuses, if you do Lab Cannabis, is you've got your seven modules, 25 lessons, delivered over seven weeks. And when I say delivered, I mean, you're in a private community group, which isn't on Facebook. It's a private community group, which is gorgeous. And you looks after it actually, who's looking after us tonight. And I go live in there every Thursday and we do a Q and A R, but like this, only I don't present. You just throw questions at me and I answer them. Um, and it's every week, but I'm in there as well every day, answering questions, supporting you through the content. And we drop the modules every Monday for eight weeks so that you're not completely overwhelmed. It's all fed to you slowly. So you can do it in your own time at your own convenience. And you've lifetime access to your course. 
you also have two masterclasses in lab cannabis. So one is with Dr. Dustin Selleck, and he is brilliant. He talks about considering cannabis medicine within integrative medicine. So if you're in a place where you don't want to take drugs anymore, or maybe you have to, but you want to add plants into your medical care, he walks you through how to do that. And, you know, is that practical? Then Dr. Ethan is doing our masterclass as well. And his is what is the science actually telling us, which is brilliant. Um, and then there's continuous education credits with um, Lab Cannabis. You can get certified with NAHA, CFA, AIA, BCAOA. And if you are already a therapist, there's an international accreditation with SIDTEC, which is brand new. So then Pro gives you the extra module, extra five lessons, an extra week with me. And then you have an extra masterclass with Ella. And then Sarah does a masterclass, actually, Joan. So Joan knows Sarah very well. So Sarah delivers a workshop, which is always very funny because Sarah is one of those girls that does not do camera. She's always behind the scenes. But I make her um, do camera that night. And she does making um, marketing manageable. So Sarah runs Labaroma's marketing department. And she basically hands out all her tools. So all of the content calendars she uses, all of her systems, all of all, everything, she just gives it out and walks you through it. It's very practical, very, very, very good. And then you get a Labaroma account for the year if you are a Lab Cannabis Pro student. And then I do a blending workshop to make sure that you're confident in how to use the software. And all of the Lab Cannabis recipes are populated into your account, which is brilliant. And as I said, there's an additional 12 recipes. There's lots more information on labcannabis.com. Um, so you can grab information there um, or I can take some questions. Before I jump into Q&A, I just want to say that it's been an honor to do this. I'm very grateful for you, Lola and Joan, for letting me speak to your guys. And I hope it was super helpful. I know we don't talk about animal CBD, but I do have a blog on the Lab Cannabis website about CBD. Um, Lola knows that I, or sorry, Joan knows that I have a new puppy. Um, so I became <laughs> completely fascinated by animal aromatherapy of late, completely fascinated. And I was doing some research into um, CBD for dogs and um, fell into a bit of a rabbit hole. So I wrote a blog for the community. So it's on the website as well. So if you go to labcannabis.com, that blog's there, it's, it's quite good. Um, very insightful, I was very um, surprised. I did use CBD on dad's dog as she was passing away. And it definitely helped until just, she decided she was done with medicine and she was, she wouldn't take it anymore. And then she decided she was done, um, which was fine. That was her prerogative. So between Cotton, her name is Cotton, between Cotton's experience and getting Luna, I needed to understand what I was doing with these little pets. So I just gave you the link to that there. So the entourage link you've already got. So I'm going to tackle some Q&A. Joan and Lola, do you have any questions? Was any of that, um, did, and did any of that feel completely brand new? You'd never heard any of it? Oh, well, I will just say how I learned a lot today. Um, and I, you know, already felt pretty comfortable with some of the language, but I, I definitely am very excited. Um, and I do, if you don't mind, I just want to say a few things in case I yes. don't um, before we're done here. Um, to those of you on the call, I will be sending you a replay link as well, and we'll have that available. So if there's anything you need to review or you want to share it with somebody in your life, we will get you that replay link later um, today or tomorrow. I also will be sending out an invite to uh, all of you that participated today to the class. Yes. Um, and it is, you know, short notice because it's just between now and Thursday. But I mm -hmm. want to let you know, because I know many of you on the call yeah. are either, you know, closely associated with the Northwest School of Animal Massage, your graduates, your students, your instructors. Um, and as you know, when we have special uh, relationships like this, where we can act as an affiliate, any of the um, proceeds that we get from 
you joining through our affiliate link go directly to animal charities like Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, like um, Island Haven Animal Sanctuary, uh, owned and operated by one of our graduates and um, aromatherapy graduates as well, uh, Julie Duke. So um, watch for that invite. I really encourage you to join this class. I know I'm going to, and um, looking forward to seeing you in class, but uh, watch for that in your email later today uh, might be tonight um, but because I got the vet here doing dentals today but um, <laughs> just remember uh, we will pass on your um, contribution to those animals that are in need. I'm so excited to take this class and become um, certified so that uh, maybe we can help Colleen you uh, take this into the world of animals mm -hmm. and um, offer something as a follow-up that will help you convert all this knowledge to yeah. your animal practice as well. So, and my question was um, about when we were talking about the endocannabinoid system and you were saying it, it um, all of its benefits in terms of homeostasis, is it also um, a thermoregulator? Because I know that's an important part of homeostasis yep. and I'm wondering like for animals with Cushing's and things like that. We don't know yet. So, um, and the other thing we don't know is about so what we know about the endocannabinoid system in humans is far more advanced than what we know about it in animals. So um, at some point last year, after I first launched Lab Cannabis, my plan was to write a Lab Cannabis version for animals. Um, and when I started doing the research and digging into it, there was so little scientific evidence about the animals that it didn't feel like I would be, I would, you know, what I would have been teaching would have been a webinar, not a course as such, because we just don't know enough yet. We do know that they all large animals have an endocannabinoid system and we know mice and rats do. Um, but tiny little um, like insects, we don't have a clue. But with the big mammals, we don't know. So for example, with horses, we think that they have four CB receptors, but then that's questioned because how can they have four if, if humans only have two? So the science is far, far um, lacking in animals uh, than we would like. Whether um, we know it's um, thermoregulated, we, we just don't know yet. Great, thank you. It's not great. And I'd like I just like to say, I'd like to say uh, before I have to leave you yes. all, um, that I am in the midst of the uh, taking the pro cannabis uh, cannabis course, mm -hmm. and there's videos that come along with it yes. as well, which is really helpful for me because I was having eye issues all this year. Yes. This year, so um, it is quite intense the first couple of modules. Yep. Um, but those science is, ones are heavy. Yeah, they are, and you do a phenomenal job and. Um, I'm telling you, I can't thank you enough for bringing this to us. And what really I'm really looking forward to is using it with my essential oil blends and um, also getting more in depth with the ocular. <laughs> yeah, the ocular yeah. stuff's massive. Yeah. The, um, we, the course is presented in a way where you can download this, the contents on slides and you can download that or you can audio listen to me teach it to you, or you can watch me visually voice right. over as I teach you the slides. Yeah. So it depends what kind of learner you are. We, we hope to tick all your boxes. And then if you're one of those learners that needs to learn from peers and learn from other people's experiences, or literally have a call and chat things through or get them something explained live and visually, then that's why we have our calls. Um, but there will still always be scenarios where you're like, okay, I've read it, I get it. 
but I still have one or two questions. And that's why we have the support group so that you can ask us all the time. And the support group doesn't go away after the eight weeks. It becomes an alumni group. And those alumni groups are still very active and they still learn from each other in there. There's times like when the alumni group and feel redundant and just not needed anymore. So um, I kind of feel like, yes, the course is immensely comprehensive, which is why the support has to be equally comprehensive. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we, um, we do that well. You do. You do. You're very sweet. Thank you. Well, listen, guys. I